How can marketers build an employer's brand? This is the topic of our show today. This is Brand Igniter, helping brand leaders achieve exceptional business results. Here is your host, Peter Rodriguez. I am Peter Rodriguez, a charter marketer and CMO of Brand Igniter Inc. I welcome you to our podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope you find value in our content. Brand Tips brings knowledge and advice for brand management based on the real-life marketing and business experience that marketers and business leaders find valuable. Today, Mike Farrell and I are talking about how marketers can build an employer's brand. Mike is one of North America's true thought leaders on contemporary trends and value studies, and an award-winning researcher, strategist, and an original founder of the visionary Youth Insight Shop Youthography. Mike is the president of Aurel Insight. So let's get started. How can marketers build an employer's brand? Um, this is something that most people do not necessarily um, <clears throat> have a top of mind in when planning strategy, but it is so cru- crucial for the success of business. What is your take? You've had a ton of experience on uh, researching and uh, strategizing around this. So what are you? What, what are your initial thoughts? Well, it's really important now, just because we've gone through. And, and I'm, I'm personally in the research industry and, and the branding side of it. I'm, I'm definitely doing a lot of it right now. Um, mm-hmm. I think companies have realized um, and organizations have realized that, um, A, it's, it's, just what, it's one of these things that hasn't been tended very much. You know, they always focus on the consumer-facing brand or if you're an organization like the, the citizen-facing brand. But they've never, not never, but... The, uh, you know, a lot of companies, it becomes deprioritized to have, how do we present ourselves as, as an employer? You know, um, I think the wise companies continue to do that for, for a long time, but um, it's, it's something that's very, very important now because the entire employee work, the, the idea of workplace is in flux, right? And um, the, 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 the experience that we just had with COVID um, really accelerated that, you know, and uh, really the genie's out of the bottle. Um, people now uh, in, in, in a lot of industries where you don't need to be there, like to manufacture things or whatever on the floor. And even that is helpful uh, down the road. But, you know, in, in, think of all the downtown offices, the entire way our, our culture has been sort of focused on people go to offices in central areas. There's a whole network of, in, you know, uh, transportation that gets them there. There's a whole network of coffee shops, food shops, restaurants, exercise places, etc. that all service that area. Well, that's that's that whole um, paradigm is is shifting and changing. And so, you know, it, there's huge cultural ramifications and it's all based on flexibility of where you're working. Um, and then which is which is, you know, um, changed into a sense of um, there's a renewed entrepreneurial spirit, a sort of gig economy spirit that's happening uh, out there. And, um, and that's not going to change. That's been something that young gener- the younger generation has been anticipating and driving is this idea of a gig economy, um, which has a whole, whole bunch of other social ramifications, including the lack of mm-hmm. a social safety net. Pensions are not very popular anymore, not common, all of those things. So we have to sort of think about that. But for an employer, um, you know, this is really, really, really important now. I would say compared to, you know, it's not the internet <laughs> and it's not social media, 
but but it but it is a it's a big inflection point in in a cultural change that's really happened over the past 10 and 15 years and this is now you know we've gone through through the the democratization of communication through internet and then the democratization of um, information sources and entertainment sources through social media etc and now we're at the really an interesting sort of i don't know democratization of of uh, where you work how you work etc you don't have to punch the clock as much and um I think if anything that's starting to scare some of the larger office based businesses and there's millions of them and um, and I think that's why a lot of people are coming coming to uh, to people like me to go hey we got to tweak our employee brand our employer band brand and, uh, and 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 get a sense of what we can realistically deliver and get a sense of what their priorities are if anything a lot of clients are coming to me right now going what do they want because <laughs> we're mm-hmm. we're happy to provide this to them um, uh, but then, of course, you get some of the clients that are like, well, we need them back in the office soon. And that, that's a hard one. It's well, not all about that. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack there because um, I think you point uh, to something that is crucial. Is there a difference between the employer brand that you use in real life interactions and the employer brand that you use in online virtual hybrid interactions? And I think it is not that different, but you have to act in a certain way. You, uh, it, it reminds me of, remember um, Blockbuster? I mean, yeah, way back when. I love yeah. that chain. And the, uh, <laughs> they had everything to go into online, but who who won the online game? It was Netflix, a barely known brand in the real world, but they managed to create that persona in a completely new place where Blockbuster was never able to go for some reason. With all of the big name that they had for a very similar satisfactor, which was entertainment at home, they were unable to transfer that over. And I don't know, uh, bring it back to employer brand, I think that it could be a similar situation. You need to act in a way that the brand resonates on all of these channels. Um, And I... I don't know if everybody's thinking that way. Do you think that there is a there is a path to build a bridge so that um, a great brand in the real world can continue to be just as fantastic as you go into the hybrid world um, as an employer? Um, it's a good it's a good perspective or a good question. Um, sure, I think you need to exist differently in the two planes. Uh, maybe present yourself a bit differently but to be honest um i a a good employer brand needs to transcend all of that and it really isn't too it's tied to the commercial brand but really what it is it's 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 basic and i'll walk you through sort of the method if you want me to because you know the way i I I approach it yeah the way i approach it it's it's very simple in a lot of ways and and really what you want to do is what you need to do the first thing and this is what makes it sometimes scary for hr groups the first thing you need to do is you need to turn the microscope on your employees, your current employees. And um, and, and what you do, you, you start, um, you work with the HR teams, you work with the leads of whatever affiliates are there or, you know, that, that exist or functions that exist in a company. Who knows what you had to deal with? Could be the manufacturer group is different than the financing group. Quite often they are. The financing group might be different than, say, your HQ or your marketing team, right? You know. Uh, the people that sort of, you know, push the big corporate brand, et cetera, and just make everything work together. 
the people that are, you know, say uh, the manufacturers, that's going to be a different world, you know, and then there's going to be the finance people. That's just sort of think of that. And then you have to, then what you need to do is, and you talk with them and you have some brainstorm sessions and you listen to what they say, what makes it, you know, uh, let's, let's pretend it's a, a car brand or something. Um, what makes this car brand uh, that you're part of, that you're still proud of? Like, what do you, what is it that makes it different? What, what is it like working here, et cetera? And you'll get all these sort of uh, ideas which is great. But then of course, those are the managers. <laughs> um, what you need to do then is you actually then talk to the employees. Mm-hmm. And um, I've developed a, a series of sort of that that's evolving these days of, of key aspects of, of, of working there, you know, uh, what, you know, thing, things that are important to you just for any workplace, you know, on a scale of one to five, something very simple. And it's a pretty long battery of everything from, um, the type of environment they like to live in, um, equality across it, you know, diversity, access, um, a good salary, um, a good benefits, um, flexibility to choose whether you work from home and all these different types of other things. You get a sense of what's important to them. And then what you do is ask, how, how's uh, X company performing on all of these? Oh, no, and no, then no. what you do is, sorry, keep going. No, no, keep going. I was yeah, just so, going to so, make a, que- a comment, but I, it can wait. Okay, sure. Thank you. And then I'm on a roll. And then, and then, um, and then what you do is you get a sense of okay. And then you, that's then there's that sort of com- comparison of reality. Here's what the management and the and the C-suite right through the direct managers have to say about what's great to work here, why it's great to work here, what what makes it a good place that's attractive. And then you then there's a reality check where. Do does that wash with your employees? And quite often, though, almost always, there's surprises. Going, oh, I thought we we were this, and actually, they don't think we perform well on that. Or we have good vacation benefits, and they're going, no, I gave you a. The overall was like you know less than three out of five on all of this, you know. So what you do, what what you want to do, then then you then you have sort of a come to Jesus moment, or a come to Allah, or a come to whatever moment, and that's where you get sort of a, a smaller, refined list of things that you can realistically deliver on that still speak to your brand you know um so you, you might have thought it's like a fun and active place that's the community and you realize most people don't care about being involved in the community or something maybe you just figure that out so you, you why go to why go to market with that so you, you figure out what you can realistically deliver on and maybe it's something like uh you know, we're, we're, we're a global, you know, be part of, be part of a global industry that's changing or something like that. And that, that's, that's something everyone can agree on. They say, yeah, it's actually kind of good. The employees say that's a good thing to move forward on. And I like that. And we never really contextualize that we're, we're changing the employer brand. We, we, we talk to the employees saying, we want to know how you're doing and we want to improve your da, 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 da. So basically you have that. And then once you have a refined, what, what you, what you have is a working model of um, distinctive um, uh, employer brand territories. So for instance, it could be a whole batch of different things. It could be a globally significant company, uh, a, a, a focus on innovation. Um, we care about your, uh, we value our employees and, and then you have a couple supporting statements. So that, that's all it is. We've all built brands before. So there's that. And then what you do, you go to potential employees, people that may live near where say it's a factory is okay fine or or live in, in uh, or, or not or and you usually go general population areas where for sure they need to pull people from and and you talk to students who are uh, who, who qualify and and don't 
um, go against, uh, don't are, are rejectors of the industry, maybe not of the company, but of the industry, etc. And then you and then you ask the same battery questions, you know, and you look for people that are employed and uh, currently looking for jobs, and you talk to students who are soon to be uh, on the, in the workforce, because that's where most people. Uh, garner their their new employees from and then it's a venn diagram you know it's like and you and you're asking the same kind of battery questions but you're also adding in and really focusing on like those 10 things that this company can realistically deliver on because the last thing you want to do you, you can you can say all these things about your company um in your employer brand uh but they, if they're not true and they're not backed up uh, by the employees when they get there it's going to be a lunch bag letdown so you so and then it's just a venn diagram and hopefully you come up with uh, areas you can go. And that's where sort of a big uh, moment comes between us and the client. And we're going, well, you're delivering well on these two things. This third one that we thought might be a strong table leg is not doing as well, but we, we think it adds some technical thing that we need to have, or we think it adds a bit of heart because you've got a functional benefit, you've got a supportive emotional benefit, and maybe you need something else, you know, and so on and so forth. And every single client's different, but that's the approach you have to take to it. Mm -hmm. And then once you figure that out, that's your employer brand. Yes. Well, you know, that is really brilliant because I, I think you mentioned something that uh, for an employer, the question is what they want. And that's a good place to start. A lot of people don't because they say, well, I am a great company because X, Y, and Z. But starting with that question, I think it's crucial. The second thing that stuck out for me in what you were describing, the process that you use in order to define this brand is <clears throat> the key category attributes. At the end of the day, it is very similar to creating a brand for consumption. The key category attributes, sometimes employers don't, don't have them top of mind and they they may be very good at something that is meaningless to the employer, employee or right. the target employee or the potential candidates. And that is a disconnect that I see a lot uh, these days. And one, uh, and the third point that stuck out for me is um, what do you, what do you stand for? And you stand for some, for something that are, and that is connected to values. And I think that a lot of um, organizations do not, uh, take that very uh, to the forefront when they are actually hiring. They're they're based on they're they're basing their their hiring or their retention based on talent alone and and skills. But before that, the the background of that is values. And um, you can have brilliant people join the organization, but if the values don't align, at some point it's gonna break up. And, uh, in, 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 by doing the process that you mentioned, you're actually going to the root of what is it that makes us a valuable brand as an employer and what is the type of people who we will attract by being this type of brand. Does that make sense? I mean, that's how I'm connecting all of this. It values. absolutely does. And that's what it, I love about it. Yeah. And, but, and you know, I, as you were talking, I was, uh, the, the point that I was going to interject with is it sounds like there is there shouldn't be a difference between your uh employer brand and your commercial brand um it should be very consistent because at the end of the day let's say if you have a media presence because of your commercial brand you want to take that equity and that value over to your employer brand yes. and be and make it so they cannot they cannot mismatch is, is isn't that true i think it, 
you don't want it to mismatch no and 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 that's why it becomes very important um i i found the sort of journey the research journey that happens here is usually this is is created by uh you know impetus is an hr team or whatever gets in touch with me or an agency gets in touch with me on behalf of half of and then um and it starts as a small project kind of uh, uh, or or something that's hasn't reached the, but but as soon as you start shining a light on employees and and what they really think about working there and what they really think about the company and whether or not they're all a lot of them are are looking for other work etc then it becomes uh, uh something that rises right up to the top and it becomes a whole way of looking at the at, at your business um it's it's an interesting way to look at it and sometimes i've i have had moments it's it, it's pretty common where it, it there's not a complete disconnect but there's elements of it that that have uh, that that doesn't speak to the brand and or they're not following through on key precepts of the brand that are coming through on a commercial level and and they may be a huge company i've worked for a number of large scale companies um a, a lot of car brands and you know and and it's not washing uh in the office it's not washing on the factory floor and what they're saying and seeing on the ads is not coming through you know like innovation or whatever is not coming through in 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 uh on 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 the factory floor or in the office uh, environment so what what that's why it becomes a longer process and some people um may think it needs to be because before we start going to market you have to sort of then test working models of distinctive uh, brand territories and that all needs uh, you know just think about as soon as the c suites involved etc becomes they they become important meetings and 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 out of it becomes uh, you become i think a stronger brand you always are better as a person if you start looking at yourself in the mirror um not the way you think you are or you know be honest with yourself about who knows what about you know we all have issues <laughs> so it's good to do that from time to time and i think i think brands are just the same thing they're corporeal you know they're a corporeal entity they're just made up of hundreds thousands of people and you know they're all cells in the larger body mhm well you know at the end of the day it is um uh it has a very similar uh process um mental process to assimilate the value of a brand because the more valuable it is for you as a potential employee the more open you are to putting that at the top of your list to become an employee of that company and you know i um i, I admire the work you do in order to uncover that from the corporate perspective i have been uh, i have experienced this in many ways as a as a re- in recruiting and hiring and retaining people uh using the brand of the companies that I've worked for in order to attract, sell, persuade great talent. And the when that equity is there, it is a lot easier to do. And you know something that I have also seen is that just like with a regular brand, it removes the conversation from pricing and in this case only from um salary and benefits. That's the price for this particular the equivalent of price. uh some people especially um you know uh when when you want to upgrade your career you can go from a company that has little brand equity to a company that has a bigger equity even for the same money and in some cases for less money because you want to add that pedigree 
to your resume. And that tells me about the power of the brand. You know, um, my own personal experience way back when, when I was starting, I was, um, um, I made the decision to leave a smaller brand of employer uh, and not because it was a bad brand, but because it didn't have the the international global name uh, for the one that I went to. And actually, I made some sacrifices in terms of a number of things, but I made that investment in my mind because I was going to add the credentials of this company, this employer, to my credentials. And that now that I look back on that as a marketer, all of that was the brand equity of that employer. It had that uh, amazing value that I, as a consumer in this case, I mean, the employee becomes the consumer in this model. I was, very, I was very happy to do that. Now, eventually that paid off and I'm glad it did the way it did. But at the moment, it was like, oh, why would you take this for the same money or maybe less money or losing the company car because you already had a company car? Well, the value of all of that, if you put it in money, that was the value, the additional value of that new employer brand. And I experienced that as, um, as an employer as well in attracting people from great universities, like when we did some of these, um, you know, uh, efforts, campaigns to go into, to talk about, uh, to, you know, new graduates, um, people finishing university about the value and benefits of working for our brand of employer. It was amazing when we brought up those things, but you know, the one thing that I found more valuable, it was to talk about the values and the culture of the employer which were some of the reasons to believe in the brand. So we are brand X, but this is what we believe in. And those become incredibly powerful in order to stand out as an employer in the recruitment area. Now, I don't see that very frequently these days. I mean, people go out and they search and sometimes they see, well, this is a great posting for, uh, for a job from a great brand. And they don't talk about the brand. They no, don't it's important. It's only about the job, and this is the job, and this is so. They're amazing. Many many organizations are missing the opportunity to leverage the the power of the the brand that they have, and they for sure, yeah, and 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 that is that is going to start changing. And I am coaching clients, and I work with our marketers, and I've I've had a the the past year has been really busy um, for my business in, in in that, and I'm seeing. HR and marketing teams now working together to come up with a holistic employer brand that is going to be exactly that. It's not just it's just not it's not just a uh, a job posting. It's like come and work in a uh, be part of the change in our industry and our culture. You know those types of things. And this is this is this is what's um, uh, starting to drive uh, attitudes. And really, you hit on something there. Culture and values are incredibly important now for a uh, younger generation in particular gen z and millennials who are larger now uh, but but uh, the the incoming group and millennials they care more about that than say um other things you know 
Um, like a competitive salary or hourly, hourly pay rate is always near the top 10 of importance for engagement. But then right after that, and safety, if you're working factory or something like that. But every, but right after that, it's, it's, it's things like a place where everyone's treated fairly regardless of personal background or characteristics. It's an environment where you are respected as an individual and your ideas can be brought to the fore. Th these are in the top five of research I've been doing here in North America. Um, uh, you know, competitive health benefits package, those are important. But um, a place that provides and encourages a reasonable balance between work and my personal life. Huge. That's, that's, that's that number huge. five. Yeah. You know, that's about flexibility and choosing where you can work and how you can be respected as an individual, um, a diverse workplace, a place where um, opportunities for advancement are available regardless of your background. All these things are important. Being a valued part of the team. Uh, people don't want to just feel like a Borg anymore. The, 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 the days of a minion life are, 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 are over, particularly in the office area. Um, if, if it's if it's service industry or factory work, even they are struggling on how do we bring that to the fore? How do we compensate these people? How do we make them feel that they're not just part, you know, a cog in the machine, that you're something more? And I think that that that's this 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 has been a, a value, of, a defining value of millennials, and it's definitely becoming a defining value of of you know. Uh, Gen Z, uh, they're in, in parts, I guess, not really their offspring, but the, the, the next generation. Absolutely. And I think that that is, um, uh, you remind me of something that I, that I usually speak about in my webinars, which is purpose. And this is where purpose actually really becomes powerful. All of those values, beliefs, attitude, corporate attitudes, corporate behaviors, they're in case, when they're encased in a very simple statement of purpose then that's when they become even more powerful and um it is almost like making the positioning statement of a corporate brand digestible for current employees and future potential employees and that sense of purpose is actually um so powerful to communicate when you're actually bringing the brand uh, to the consideration set of those people who may 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 come. Mm -hmm. uh, now you have to deliver on that because it doesn't. I I, I one, one thing that I notice is that if you have those values and credos and all of those statements, but they are not lived in the organization, then it breaks apart. One hundred percent. People don't believe it because the best ambassadors, just like with a regular brand, your best ambassadors are your current users. They will Absolutely. say, "This is the brand." that does all of this for me. Employees who proudly wear the corporate shirt, the corporate cloak of, uh, of, of a brand, of an employer brand, become the actual reason to believe that those values are true, that those yep. values are important. But I have found that getting back to purpose, and I think purpose is actually the one thing that encases, that puts, um, that puts the, you know, the packaging around all of those things. And the more simple it is, the more, the more, um, the, the easier it is to communicate it. And I think that that's where a lot of organizations fail. Yeah, it you needs need to, to make simple. it so simple so that they can tell others about it. Because when they say, well, they have this, they have this, they have this, they have this, then 
it becomes endless and then you say okay what did i retain of that but when you say well this company is about honesty or about preserving the planet or whatever it is but it is the one thing in their purpose that they identify with then you can easily then aggregate all of the other bits and pieces that make that that that, that make it but i i think that very few organizations are going forward to say well you know this is why you want to grow with us. This is come and help us do this. Like I think that that was a, an approach that I that I took in some of the organizations where I used to hire uh, leaders. Come and help us do this. We're engaged in making this change in the world or making this change for people, and you can come and help us. Would you like to come and help us? Can you? Can we? Do we align for you to come and help us? And that took the conversation and in my uh, in interviewing people that took it to a new level. I mean, some people say, well, you know, that doesn't really resonate with me because I'm just going after the money now. Okay. That's right. Then I'm glad that we had the conversations on values because you're not a match to this brand if the brand is not only about money. And that simplifies that. That actually avoids problems down the road when you actually hire someone who's not a right fit. And sometimes they're fantastic people uh, in terms of talent, but they don't have the right cultural fit, which is even more important. There was something that I learned in one of my companies that I always remembered. I mean, you need to, when you're hiring people, when you're staffing up, the number one thing you need to do is to make sure that you have the right people on the bus. And by that, it is the alignment to values, the alignment to principles. I mean, do we share the same ones? And then when you have that, let's say if it is true, honesty, um, ethical uh, approach to work, whatever those values are, then they're in the uh, they're on the bus, and then you can add the skills as long as they have the um, analytical and leadership basic skills. Then you can build the um, skills that you want for your organization instead of the other approach where we say, well, we want a highly skilled blah blah blah, and they get that, but they don't talk about those values that should be in alignment. Fast forward six months, and then you have a toxic environment in some cases where you have a very good technical person, but that is destroying your culture. And that is, I see the employer brand being so critical in order to filter out people that you do not connect with or that will never connect with you. As a as a brand, and, um, and 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 I think that this is a strategic discussion that uh, has to do with marketing, with uh, brand strategy, and not only with hiring um, techniques. And I think that that's what you're seeing, as you said, the convergence of marketers and HR specialists to create the bridge between the commercial brand and the employer brand. 100%. That's that's where it's going and that's why it's so it's really actually a really exciting area to be in because um you know it, it sort of made HR more more interesting. Uh HR has typically been something else and now they're very engaged. Any of the clients that I work with you can tell that they're they're getting they're getting presence that they didn't expect that they might have at the C-suite etc. um <clears throat> because it's it's looking at these large scale um uh, look in the mirror moments <clears throat> for a, for a client. And Indeed. so yeah, I think it really is an exciting area and it's a really essential thing. Another thing I'd like to bring up just uh, for the listeners here is, is 
Um, a lot of companies fall down when they're a large when you're a large company, and I've been working with a bunch of large ones right now. Maybe they have more bandwidth or time or budget, but um, or maybe they're the ones that are having the largest problems right now. Uh, they've usually uh, been established agencies and or companies, and they've been coasting on their big brand image or the or the nameplate or whatever, and they're realizing, oh, we're not standing for anything, and it's not, and it's and it falls apart on 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 the production floor or whatever. Is you need to, it's smart um, to have this employer brand needs to needs to be something that can cover every one of your affiliates. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying there then is like there is a difference, and you see it all the time, like like uh, the marketing team or the HQ of a company almost always feels better about uh, uh, working at, at that environment and thinks that they're, they're lying and they're drinking the corporate Kool-Aid more than say the people on, on a factory floor or the people at the sorting facility or the people that are you know uh, you know on the floor at a supermarket or whatever. I'm just coming up with different clients that I've been working with. And that's important or the financing group are almost always sort of in between. And so you start noticing this and you need to find a holistic employer brand um, that can straddle all of those things. So, and, and, and that's where it, 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 it falls down sometimes. And that's where you really need to focus on those two or three table legs that every one of your employees somewhat believe in. And then you can at least not have that lunch bag let down that turns into a toxic workplace that we're talking about. Um, but I've, I found surprisingly um, a lot of clients have been like, you know, their finance team uh, might be 100, 200, 300 people. They go off, you know, to to some career workplaces or fairs or whatever with their own sort of banners, their own, without anything that's tied into the larger brand other than like the name of the brand. And the same with the people marketing, they're, they're talking about job fairs, maybe doing hackathons, but it has nothing to do. Uh, and they're going to do it differently than say, um, the people that are actually making cars or making these toothbrushes or whatever. And, 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 and it's really important to find something that can straddle all of that. And that's why it becomes such a strategically significant exercise for the brand on both sides of the fence, for the, to the consumer and to the employer. They all need to sing together. And if they don't, it's time to just, you know, look at that and make some changes and make some decisions. Indeed, yeah. And, you know, I think that the 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 synergy that you need to have between those two is actually bigger than the sum of the parts. And I think that that's when, because we cannot forget that employees are also consumers or can also be consumers. And if they're not direct consumers, they are in the universe who knows about your brand as a commercial brand. They are already, they're there. So they can, there cannot be that situation that you describe where everyone is talking from their own perspective. I think that the, what is missing is that at the top of the organization, uh, sometimes people miss uh, this very important fact that the brand is a business system. It's not just the name of the brand that you're going to promote. It is actually what articulates, what encases all of the elements that the that people, being customers, consumers, or employees, see. And it is the same. It is. It cannot have different approaches because then it becomes non-credible, and um, and it and it falls apart eventually. Um, so I think that um, that is uh, when, when the brand is at the top, when the brand is the 
what people see in, in the leaders of an organization, see the brand as the most valuable asset that they can leverage in order to get customers, consumers, and employees, then that's when it creates the consistency across. I have found that uh, you were mentioning that um, the brand has to be consistent across a number of places, especially in the front lines. I'm going to go to the factory, to the front lines. I mean, people who are actually making the stuff that you sell or actually taking care of customers um, in a CRM environment. That's right. I frequently ask those people, tell me about what is the brand that you represent? And they have no idea of that. They can say a lot of things that they try to articulate, but they cannot say it in three, four, five words. And that is terrible because what that means is that they haven't absorbed in their mindset what the purpose and the value of the brand is for the customer. So, but the few ones that I have found actually make it very powerful. I mean, this brand is about this. And if they're in the front line, that becomes even more powerful. You know, um, I think that um, people spend a lot of time saying, well, we need to make sure that we have customer satisfaction, that we deliver the service that we're providing, etc." But very few go to say, well, the brand is about um, satisfying the consumer in this way. And you, Mr. or Mrs. Frontline um, representative, your job is to make sure that this comes to life when you talk to them, when they call you this morning with a complaint, when they um, come to you for an answer, when they come to you with a problem. And when that is clear, then that's when the brand comes to life, for good or bad. I was uh, reading a story about an airline in, here in Canada that missed the opportunity. I mean, they do amazing ads and they uh, do great stunts and they invest a ton of money on creating beautiful ads. But at the same time, the front line is not empowered to solve issues. So there's one person who put this out in social media and actually went um, to, to, to get satisfaction for the things that happened to them. Uh, they basically, they, they were put in the wrong flights and they were not given the opportunity to get whatever they wanted to because the disruptions that we've had with COVID. And that is understandable. So the employees at the front line didn't understand the value of the brand that, that is usually put on TV or on social media. So they were, well, there's nothing we can do. Here's your compensation. It's um, you, you have uh, a few hundred dollars back because you we were not able to take you to whatever your final destination was. So that is not the way that you behave. You need to make sure that the consumer feels that they're taken care of, just as you see it on TV or on the media. That employee had in their hands the entire brand as they were interacting with this consumer because they didn't understand that. Nobody trained them to understand it. And nobody gave them the power to resolve it. They were unable to do anything. And so they destroyed part of the brand. And unfortunately, when those experiences happen, they blow up. I mean, this was seen everywhere in a, in a lot of social media platforms. Why? Uh, when, when it could have been, well, you know, we screwed up. We sorry, it's COVID time. We were unable to take you to your final destination, but this is everything we're doing. 
And just imagine what would have happened if they said, well, you know, this airline was unable to take you there, but we're going to make sure that we get you there like as soon as possible. We'll, we'll take you by bus. I mean, I'm just making that up because we are about caring about what's important to you. That would have made the headlines. I mean, this company actually cares about what's important to this person. I mean, and not ship them back to their city of origin because that's all they could do. And, you know, of course, I'm saying something that may not be um, actionable, but just the intent and things that people say, we're going to get you there no matter what. I mean, unless, unless there is a tornado happening there or a natural disaster, that's the only thing that will prevent us from doing that. But we're going to get you there. And that would be a lot more powerful for an employee brand, employer brand than anything else. I mean, if I see someone with that empowerment, would I want to work with them? Of course, that becomes top of mind because then that becomes a company that's leaving their values and they're putting their money where their mouth is. That, that's another table leg that you hit on right there that's new is, is um, uh, an area that we studied is um, the ability to make your decisions on your own. Independence yeah. of thought. Um, is very important uh, to, to, to new new employees. So these are all parts that, that you're speaking to. So I think we've we've, we've uh, really brought this full circle and and the idea is this is why I think the employer brand is going to become more important and is really getting the uh, the um, the spotlight it deserves um, in the C-suite and in the in the macro brand. I think that's really important. And I'll just. Um, one thing I'll just, I wanted to, to, to add to this, just to sort of sum up here is, um, I think when you get down to it, you want something very distilled, it needs to be short. And it usually involves everything that we've talked to. It, it, it should always have something that speaks to your reputation as a company that exists out there already. So it's the place where that company's reputation is going to do something. It's going to make you part of a winning team or make you part of the future or whatever. That's that's sort of that's sort of the us. That's them saying, come join us and you we're this. Then you need something that uh, is what it's like to work there. Is it a place with a focus on continuous improvement? Or is it a place with a focus on quality? Or is it a place where um, uh, we, we focused on employee satisfaction uh, and uh, customer satisfaction all the time, you know, or whatever. What mm -hmm. is that? What's it going to be like working there? And then the last thing that you need is the me statement. And that's very important. If you, those two things without a me statement of, of what are we going to do for you? Are you going to be valued? Are you going to be listened to? Those are the three table legs you need. So it's an us, what it's like to work here, and then you. And it seems so simple, but these Without these table legs, we have we have big issues. And I've, I've come across with clients where you have to sort of fabricate or take sort of something that might not be as resonant with employees but to bring the value in. Or, you know, they're usually very good at the us, not so good at um, not so good at what we're going to do for you. And I think that needs to change. That needs to change. Well, you know, I would add only one additional thing and talk to the talk to experts when you're building your brand, like, for example, Mike Farrell, I mean, you already have a ton of experience and you need to, to start by knowing who you are, what the brand stands for and what people want. You need to do the homework. You cannot just make it up. And that's when um, uh, experts like Mike Farrell become invaluable in order to discover that.
Thank you very kindly. You too. I think we all work together, as you know. And um, yeah, and you have to be prepared to look at yourself or and the brand, warts and all. You have to be prepared for this. This is a mirror, looking in the mirror moment for a brand. And it's it's much more than just how we can attract people and, and have them be happy here. But that yeah. seems simple. It's not at all. And it really becomes, it, you need to look at it like a large exercise that has strategic importance right on up through the C-suite. Yeah, you know, I you reminded me of something. And this is probably for another episode. It's about facing the brutal facts. I mean, you can never never take a step forward if you don't face the brutal facts and it's horrible to face the brutal facts <laughs> because That's as true. you say you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say oh you know i told people who loved me now they don't they actually find you have these issues right but then you have to look at that from a perspective that uh it will build from there and um in in facing the brutal facts is a good uh, it's a good way to start because Otherwise, there is no path to change. There is no path to uh, finding the, the real value that you that may be hidden underneath all of those uh, layers of complexity and toxicity in some cases. So, but we will talk. That'll about be the next one. That'll be the, the next, next one. I love that idea of brutal yeah. facts and like, well, we could go through. We could share times we've identified something that the client didn't want kind of identified and what did they do with it and maybe you know and, and provide some outcomes so that's another time my friend that's another time but you know what before i forget i'm going to um just one of the things that we don't like to hear is that our campaigns don't work and that's why we don't test them <laughs> as marketers we oh, don't tell me that consumers hate it i love them and i'm gonna put them forward but anyway we'll do that mike Thank you very much. I hope that uh, people have found this um, interesting to uh, to listen to, and we'll we'll talk next time. Thanks, Mike. As always, my friend Peter. Have a great day. Hasta pronto. And this was our episode for today. Thanks very much for joining us. I would like to remind you to look for more information in the description of this podcast or on your screen if you're watching this episode on YouTube. This is Peter Rodriguez. I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Thank you. This was Brand Igniter. Subscribe and join us next time for more insights and stories that help brand leaders achieve exceptional business results. A podcast from Brand Igniter, Inc.